0: Hi, it's Erica Kohlberg, and before we dive into today's podcast episode, I have an exciting announcement that can help you save an extra $1,000 without having to penny pinch or change your lifestyle. On Monday, I'm running my free five-day savings challenge, where you'll discover simple and creative ways that you can save extra money every month, and whatever you want to do with that extra money is up to you. I'll just show you how to save it. The challenge is totally free to join. All you need to do is go to erica.com go. Erica is with a K and you can secure your spot. By the way, these strategies that you're going to discover can help you easily save money, whether you're a budgeting novice or a finance expert, and they're going to get better and better throughout the week. But I have to tell you, I'm so excited about this and don't want you to miss out. In November of last year, we ran a savings challenge and had over 200,000 people sign up. And on average, people saved $1,005 that month through what they learned in the challenge. That means our challengers collectively saved over $200 million. So trust me when I say you don't want to miss out on this one. And the deadline to sign up to be part of this free challenge is Sunday, 1159 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you secure your spot and get free access today. Again, that's Erica.com slash go, E-R-I-K-A dot slash go. See you inside.
1: Balance, it's a facade that I think the world has been told.
0: Molly Fletcher is an entrepreneur, motivational speaker and former sports agent who has now become a prominent figure in empowerment through helping people find purpose and combat burnout. What were the signs of burnout that you saw with talent that you
1: were working with? To me, the sign of burnout would be a lack of desire to embrace the daily pursuit. And so I think burnout, it's a result of a lot of things. But I think one of the big ones is a lack of alignment with your why, a lack of clarity about what you're chasing. We have to always pause and say to ourselves, what am I really chasing? What do I really want in life?
0: I'm Erica Kohlberg, and you're listening to the Erica Taught Me podcast. If you're a small business owner or side hustler, you have many roles and responsibilities within your business. Trust me, I've been there. From creating products and working with customers to crunching down numbers, it all comes down to you. That's why you need an app that organizes your customer information in one place and improves your customer communications too. The Index by Pinger app does both with simple text-based tools to run your business. You get a second number to separate your personal and business calls and can automate appointment bookings, send invoices, review requests, and more with just a few clicks. If you can't answer your phone, Index can send the caller a professional branded text message with your logo and links to your website automatically. Index's shortcuts and text templates make interacting with customers faster and easier, And tags, notes, and name ID let you serve customers better and win those five-star reviews. The Index app just makes it easier to do your business. See how the Index by Pinger app can help you manage your business at erica.com slash getindex. That's erica.com slash G-E-T-I-N-D-E-X. And remember, Erica is always with a K. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. And now back to the episode. So you've worked with a lot of world-class performers, world-class athletes. What do you think that they all have in common that the average person doesn't?
1: I think they have a level of drive, something that I sort of define as dynamic drive. In other words, they've got this desire to get better every day. Sure, they have an eye on winning, and they win a lot. They win golf tournaments, they win championships, they win Cy Young Awards, but that's not what drives them. What drives them is this desire to get better every single day to improve every day. I had a college coach once win a national championship and the next day he was on the phone trying to recruit a player for the following season. So it's this consistent pursuit of better. It's this desire to improve consistently. And, you know, it's a mindset that to me is different. I think we live in a world often where people see the achievements, they're rewarded for the achievements. But if we're just chasing achievements, a single moment in time, if you will, what happens next? What happens the next day, the next week? So to me, it's important to have a consistent pursuit of better every single day. And along the way, sure, you're going to achieve a lot.
0: What do you think is behind that drive?
1: The kind of drive that I often saw with the best? I think it is a curiosity of getting better. I think it's recognizing that curiosity creates chances in life. It creates choices in life. I think it's a mindset shift. Most of them have a different mindset. It's a mindset of, I haven't arrived which is a different kind of way of thinking. It's a mindset of a very few looks in the rearview mirror. May they spend most of their time looking out the windshield. They have tremendous discipline. They love the grind, too. Erica, I think that's the other thing that's interesting is often I believe burnout is a result of doing work that doesn't align with your greater purpose, your why, what you really are chasing. And they love the The grind and the effort, you know, the Tom Bradys, the LeBrons, the Serenas of the world, they love the work, right? That they love the the Kobe, the Mamba mindset, right? I mean, they love the hours in the gym, the extra sprints, the work. they love that. And so it's it's mindset, it's discipline, it's curiosity. It's what I define as dynamic drive.
0: do you think the people that don't achieve that level of success in the sports world, don't have that or it's talent related?
1: Well, I, I don't think, I think talent will get you so far, but I don't think it will get you to the top and it definitely won't keep you there. It might get you to the top for a cup of coffee. <laughs> the people that don't get there, to me, no, it's, it's a lack of drive. It's a lack of a consistent pursuit of getting better. Often you can get there from talent alone, but you just won't stay there very long. Because when you get to that level, and I think this is true in business, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, or as an athlete or a coach, talent might get you there, but it won't keep you there. And I think the best of the best want to stay there. And that's this mindset of a pursuit of better every single day.
0: What were the signs of burnout that you saw with talent that you were working with?
1: So it's a great question. To me, the sign of burnout would be a lack of desire to embrace the daily pursuit a lack of desire to embrace the grind, not wanting to put in the reps and the extra work. You know, there was a tennis player, once I read a story about who, you know, she was had been pursuing to be the number one tennis player in the world, and that was her whole thing. And when you asked her what she was going after, it was to be number one in the world. And she got there, but then didn't know what to do. And her coach sort of shared in a story that, she lost her motivation because her whole vision was to be number one in the world. And then when she got there, she didn't know what to do next. And so I think burnout, it's a result of a lot of things. But I think one of the big ones is a lack of alignment with your why, a lack of clarity about what you're chasing, right? I mean, I think, you know, we have to always pause and say to ourselves, what am I really chasing? Like, what do I really want in life? What is my North Star? What is fulfillment and joy really look like? Because to me, it's what legacy do you want to leave? What, you know, what do you want on your tombstone? What do you want people to say about you at your 90th birthday party? And I think sadly, there's a lot of people in the world that just go and grind per se, and then they get burned out and they don't know how to get back on track. And, And what I would tell people in those circumstances to do is to get really clear on what you're chasing and why. And at some level to shift your mindset. Because oftentimes the things that keep us stuck is what we're telling ourselves, right? The story that we're telling ourselves about a particular circumstance and not having the, the, the bandwidth, the space, the wherewithal to pull back and say, what am I chasing and why? What is this all for? And if I'm trying to get to X, what do I need to tell myself up here to get me there? And, you know, shifting the mindset. I mean, when I I played tennis at Michigan State and when I was playing tennis, if I stepped up to hit a serve at add in to close out a set, if I said, oh my gosh, if you double fault, it's going to be deuce again. And we're going to, it doesn't work, right? You've got to step up to the line and say, I've done this. I've prepared for this. I can do this. And I'm going to stick it down the middle and close out this set. And that's what great athletes do. And I think that's what great business people do when we step into a, tough meeting, a tough conversation, a tough moment, we tell ourselves the right story so we can show up in a way that aligns with the output that we want.
0: So how do you think most people are defining their purpose in the wrong way?
1: Well, I think probably often it's anchored in achievement. It's anchored in a singular, you know, it's sort of an outcome. That's the real driver. That's the why. It's the I'm going to build this business to to X and then I'm going to sell it for 7X. But then what? So I think they're getting it wrong if they're thinking that that hoisting of the trophy, that big check, that fancy car, that big house, is what's gonna make you fulfilled and joyful, and it won't. And I've seen a lot of really wealthy, successful people who are miserable. And what I want more people in the world to do is to recognize that don't feel bad for achievement. It's a part of the process and it's awesome. But it's got to be bigger than just that one thing. It's got to be something that is threaded through. It's the lens by which you live your life. It's a lens by which you navigate difficult moments. So, you know, I'll tell you a personal story. I, I uh, Years ago, I went to a two and a half day retreat. And part of the retreat was to get really clear on your purpose. There was lots of other things involved in it. And it's such a big sort of nebulous thought, right? I mean, what what does that even mean? I mean, my purpose, like, huh? I I had a friend the other day say, you know, if I had a meeting with God, I would ask him, what is my purpose? And so it's so big and heavy, but to me, what's important is to pull back and, and really spend time saying, what are my deepest values? What matters most to me? What do I want my legacy to be? What do I want my tombstone? All those kinds of questions. And then pull back and say, how can I align my daily behaviors with that? And so I go to this retreat for a couple of days. And part of this was getting clear on your values, getting clear on the legacy you want to leave, all those things. And at the end of two and a half days, you sort of have a paragraph, a sentence, a statement. You've got your values. I mean, this is big, heavy stuff that truthfully I did in two and a half days. But there's a lot of people that get to the end of their life and haven't done it. And I left, and and my purpose, if you will, is to lead, inspire, and connect with courage and optimism. And it's on my wall in my office, right? I have sticky notes throughout. It's just, you know, a photo on my phone. It's all that. And what it provides is a lens to navigate conversations. And so I remember I get clear on this, and I call my husband at home, and we have three young daughters, and he was navigating his work stuff and career and and I'm down here figuring out my purpose and I'm so inspired and this is so awesome and and I call him and he's just grinding, you know, the one girl's homesick, somebody's got lice. I mean, it's just a total full-on show at home. But in that moment, I remember sort of going, what what do you what do you want me to do? You want me to jump on an airplane? I was in Orlando, and we live in Atlanta. You want me to jump on an airplane come home like I don't know what you want me But then I went to my purpose statement and to my values. And I thought, okay, how can I lead him right now? How can I inspire him? How can I connect and do it with some optimism? And it changed my approach to the conversation. It changed my approach to all of it. And it changed the outcome. And that changed the conversation for future negotiations that I had. It changed the lens by which I would view a conversation maybe with my daughter when she's in high school. It changed a conversation with a client, a customer. It with my parents, with my brother, it changes the way you show up in moments. And so I think it's really an important thing to know what you're chasing because we do this life thing once.
0: What were the exercises that they took you through at the retreat to get to finding your purpose?
1: The retreat was a, a bunch of different things, and that was sort of part of it. And, and uh, my company now we, we help people do that. But it's, it's really getting really clear on your values getting clear on the legacy you want to leave. It's asking yourself a lot of really tough questions. Who do I want at my 90th birthday party, right? Like what legacy do I want? What do I want people to say about me? It's asking yourself those questions and then getting really clear on some of those words and values that bubble up for you. And then attempting to say, how can I put this inside of a paragraph or a sentence at best, but how do I keep them front and center in my life as a lens to navigate moments? But it starts with asking yourself a lot of really tough questions and spending time sitting in that, right? And then iterating from there, right? Like I would say, can your purpose change? Sure, it can. I mean, I think, you know, for me from 21 to 30 with no kids and grinding it, working 24-7 as a sports agent, you know, my purpose was to clip and get and, and grow my career and work with incredible athletes, negotiate their contracts, manage a window of time that was unique for my guys. And then it shifts a little bit when you have, we had three kids in 12 months. Erica, that's a whole nother story. They're triplets? No, (laughs) that's a great question. (laughs) We had one, and then 12 and a half months later, we had twins. Wow. It was a fire drill. It was a fire drill. But then it shifts a little bit more, you know? So it shifts. So I think it's one of those things where it can iterate and evolve a little bit and, and be open and curious enough to allow it to do that. And it can be a really powerful way to lead your life and to drive connection, relationships with the people you want to lead, the people you want to serve, all that.
0: I like that a lot. But I always found that like, when people say, oh, go find your dream job or find your purpose, it was so, especially as a 20-something-year-old, it was so tough to figure out how to find that. Like, What are these hard questions that you're supposed
1: to ask yourself? What are your values? What are your deepest values? What legacy do you want to leave? What do you want people to say about you at the end of your life? What do you want your tombstone to say? Um, you know, I think you could even go deeper. What do you want you, what, what do you want your colleagues to say about you? What do you want to stand for? When people think about you, what do they say? But I would also say that figuring out what you want to do at twenty one is different than figuring out at some level, your purpose. In other words, What we do, I think, takes a minute to get clear on. You know, I tell my daughters who are now 20, 19, and 19, it's okay not to know what you want to do. I had no idea, not that that makes it right, but I didn't know. I think you've got to stay really curious. And what I try to inspire my girls to do is to stay really, really curious in life, just ask lots of people lots of questions, be just a a consistent learner, because curiosity, in my opinion, creates choices, it creates chances. So we wanna be curious about what are our gifts? What are we good at? What are we uniquely positioned to do? What can at some level only you do? What are you remarkably well positioned to, to serve people in the world with? And then you know lean into that. But I think it can change. I mean, I was a sports agent for almost 17 years. And then wrote a couple books and started speaking and went, "Huh?" And I mean, I loved every minute of being an agent. I loved it. I mean, I worked with incredible athletes and coaches and had some remarkable moments, you know, guys, you know, that were at my wedding and 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 who I was there when their kids were born. I was at their weddings. I mean, funerals, all of it. and and sure, I mean, I, I worked for them and I negotiated their contracts too. but But then when I started sharing the experiences that I'd had as an agent, whether it was negotiation stories or the difference between the guys and the gals that make it and the ones that don't, you know, the coaches that win championships and the ones that don't, those stories were helping people. And that was really fulfilling. And so I think at some level, I found myself at a crossroads as an agent where my purpose was shifting. It was shifting to one of, asking myself, do I want to go to my grave and have negotiated a billion dollars in contracts, two billion dollars, had represented a thousand guys, 500 guys and gals, or do I want to go to my grave feeling like I've maybe inspired people through that unique platform? And and it was so organic, the transition, but, you know, the, the purpose transitioned a little bit. And I think you've got to follow your heart. Arthur Blank told me once the owner of the Falcons, he was on my podcast and Arthur told me once, which I really appreciated. He said, you know, Molly, if you follow your heart and you close a gap in the market, probably good things will happen. And that's sort of been a lens at some level, too, that I've leaned into from time to time.
0: I like that. The follow your heart and find a gap in the market, close it. Yeah. Mm. What do you wish someone would have told you when you were 20 Mm. that would have sped up the trajectory of your career?
1: I would say something I wish I knew was the importance of recovery. And, you know, I, I grew up in a home where you sort of found a way. You know you, you know, you just always had a little bit more in the tank. Like, you could always just do it, just grind it out. And I say that with love. My parents are absolutely incredible. We are so close. But you sort of were, you found a way. There was no excuses for why something didn't happen. And so I was super comfortable grinding, and I never realized the importance of taking time to recover, to give yourself the space. And I wish I would have learned that because I think you can go so hard. And I heard your conversation with Ariana Huffington about this, and it really resonated with me because I would go, 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 and then I would collapse. And I would be just physically and mentally exhausted and And it was because I hadn't ever learned how to relax. And the truth is I still work hard at that because, but we have to recover. And and for me, it's something that I watched my athletes do. I mean, you can't go out on the field if you're Tom Brady and throw passes for a month straight and not go inside for sleep and water and food. You gotta rest. And great athletes recognize the importance of the the ebb and flow and the importance of recovery. And I don't think I ever saw that. I always thought, you know, if you're taking time to go rest, you're just, you're not tough enough. You don't know how to get after it enough. And the truth is you can get after it more and longer and better if you take time to recover. And so I wish I knew that earlier because I think it would have helped me not have these moments of just calling my mom in tears, exhausted and drained.
0: I hope you're loving this conversation, but I wanted to jump in to talk to you about something I think you need to know about. If you know me, you know I'm all about efficiency, tricks and tips that make everyday business tasks a breeze. Today's secret weapon turns your big ideas into a stunning online presence. If you need to build a website and you want something uniquely yours, Hostinger has got you covered. Thanks to their AI website builder, you can take your business or personal profile online without the hassle. Simply explain what you want in a few sentences, and you'll have your very own website. What I love most is that Hostinger doesn't limit you with cookie cutter templates. You can choose your style, but get all the help you need with fonts, images, and layouts based on your keywords, which makes the site feel truly like yours. When I used it, the cherry on top was that thanks to AI, I even got SEO-friendly copy and an AI heat map that helps to improve user experience and conversions by showing you which areas of your website attract attention. Everything you need is included and accessible. Header, footer, contact form, images, social icons, and even a logo if you don't have one, courtesy of their AI logo maker. Not only that, but they also have e-commerce options with a 0% transaction fee and a dedicated live support team who are just a message away when you need them. If you're ready to bring your vision to life without the fuss, check out Hostinger. Right now, they're having their New Year's sale until February 12th. You can get full website building capabilities for just $2.49. Even better, head to hostinger.com slash Erica10 and get an extra 10% off the sale price at checkout with code Erica10. That's hostinger.com slash Erica10. Remember, Erica is with a K, so it's E-R-I-K-A 10. I'll put the link in the show notes. Was there an inflection point where you realized everything at once?
1: Yeah, there was. I mean, there was a couple, but... I remember once I was early in my journey as an agent, and my mom and dad flew from Michigan, where I grew up, to Atlanta to come and see me. And I, you know, as I said, my parents are really close. And so I pick them up at the airport and I'm so excited. And I'm taking them down to like Piedmont Park to this cool restaurant, right? I'm like this big city girl now. And so I pick them up and we get to this restaurant and we're having lunch. And the whole time my phone's ringing. I mean, it's like one athlete after another, one phone call after another. And I took every call and I jumped up from the table and I was like, oh, I gotta hop, it's Smoltz. And then, oh, I gotta hop, it's Ernie Johnson. And I gotta hop, it's, you know, pick somebody. And I remember coming back to the table and thinking, and my mom and dad were like, they were disappointed because they'd flown down to spend time with me. I just picked them up. We were at this cool lunch place. And I mean, I spent 10 minutes at the table, 50 minutes on the phone. And I remember my mom, she could have cared less. I'm like, mom, that was was this guy and that was this girl and that was, she didn't give a, I mean, she didn't care. She didn't even know who some of them were. And that was a little moment. She never said anything to me, except she did look at me and say, you know, Molly, there's more to the world than sports. And I remember being like, really? (laughs) Really, there is? And that was pretty powerful. And then there was another moment when, my daughters were young, and the guy that lived at the end of our street was a neonatal intensive care doc. And, you know, he worked with infants that were just struggling. And I remember it was like a beautiful Saturday morning, and, you know, my girls were like three, three, and four or something. And I'm down at his, they have sort of the you know, swing set and a trampoline. And so we're down there, and I'm swinging the girls and jumped on the trampoline, and my phone's ringing nonstop, and I'm taking every call. And I remember he looked at me after, I don't know, the third or fourth call. And he he literally didn't get it. Like in the sense that he said, I mean, he did get it, but he didn't get it. He said, what do they want? Like, what do they want? And I was like, oh. And it was like, I turned the fire hose on him. I was like, oh, dude, that guy's clubs didn't get to the tournament. That guy thinks he's getting fired. This guy moved down in the lineup. You know, this coach is frustrated because of staff. And I mean, I just was like, this is what they want. What do you mean what do they want? And I remember him just looking at me like you're crazy. Like you don't get it. And it was what was interesting was he's a knee doc, right? And I'm turning the hose on him like, "Oh dude, man, like this really matters. I'm saving people's lives over here too. He needs this club so he can make a million bucks this weekend." So that was a moment, right? And I share that story not because what I was doing didn't matter, because it did in the world that that I was in, for sure. No different. I mean, anybody in any career can ladder up to that really matters more, and that really matters more. I mean, there's always that opportunity to do that. But what it did give me was a moment of pause of like, okay, wow, perspective, perspective. But I would say the biggest one was, the girls were young, they were in elementary school, and I had like a keynote on a Monday in Dallas. And then I had like Tuesday afternoon in Vegas. And then I had to go to Boston for a Wednesday afternoon. And, and then I sort of had this optional board meeting in Miami on like Friday. And so I'd flown my mom down to Atlanta to help with the girls while I was gonna be traveling. And I remember on like Wednesday boarding the flight to head to Miami, I think. And I could be getting the days off a little bit, but I remember sitting down on the airplane and I was so tired. I mean, I was just smoked and I was just exhausted and I felt disconnected from my girls and I was homesick. Truthfully, I was just totally homesick. And I'm sitting there and I remember like little tears in my eyes. And I remember thinking, what the hell's going on? Like I speak on peak performance. Like I speak and on on helping motivate individuals. And I'm freaking exhausted right now and drained. And I called my mom before I was taken off. And I had my head in my, you know, down in my, because I'm crying in, on the airplane. And I'm like, mom, I miss the girls. And I miss my husband and I miss, and she's like, honey, we're good. Girls are good. And I was like, well, I'm not. And I rerouted to Atlanta and came home for a night, got to the Miami thing late, I think. But I went and got my girls out of school and we went and had ice cream and had a picnic and like hung out. And so I got home, I went to Miami, then I got home. And my mom is like, no nonsense. And so she looks at me when I get home and she goes, all right, how are we gonna make sure that doesn't happen again? I go, what do you mean? And she was like, like the way you felt and how exactly and she and then we literally that was the birth of my energy clock book which was she sort of said you've you've got to get more intentional about managing your schedule you've got to determine better what to say yes and no to and it was a moment when we pulled back and sort of got really clear on how many keynotes can you do in a week you know how many other things can be happening how can you look at your schedule through the lens of energy so that you can perform at your best in the moments that matter most so that you have this alignment around your values. And I think, you know, for women, which I know a lot of your your audience is women, and you know, we're, we're told like, find balance, right? Like chase balance, like just get it just right at work, get it just right at home, get it just right with your health and fitness, get it just right with your faith, get it just right. And to me, it's impossible. And so I think it's about alignment. I think it's about saying what matters most, what are my values? And then getting really clear on that and then having the courage and the discipline to say no to the things that don't ladder up. And that's the hard part. I mean, that's the part that's really hard is saying no to things that you thought maybe 10 years ago. I never would say no to that. Like 10 years ago, I would have pinched myself. But you're saying no because you want to be at something personal or you want to be there for your children or you want to be there you know, for your for your spouse for an anniversary or whatever it might be and so to me it's about getting that level of clarity allows you to live into balance if you were alignment not balance really but it, it helps you live into the alignment of life that you really want and offset those moments hopefully of of crashing which i've as i just explained <laughs> have done
0: it's funny cuz as you were talking about the time with your parents and your mom was noticing that you were not spending time with her I remember when I was a corporate lawyer working at this law firm, my sister had come all the way to Japan to spend her birthday with me. And on her birthday, I remember it was 11 p.m. midnight. We were sitting on the floor of my office and I was working and she was just sitting there bonding with me because that's all I could do. And obviously you look back and in the moment it does feel like, oh, well, this deal is so important. (laughs) My boss is going to get mad all these things, you realize once you get perspective, which often requires leaving that little bubble that you're in, you realize what was the point of that? And so I think a lot of what you were saying is really resonating with me. I want to dig into the energy clock. Yeah. Because this sounds like what I need in my (laughs) life. (laughs) So what are the steps that we should go about to figure out how to most efficiently use our energy?
1: I actually did a webinar on this, Erica, that, that kind of breaks down this thing. I call it an energy audit. And so I think, you know, at the highest level, right, we've got to figure out what we're chasing and why and all those things that we've talked about. But to really get tactical, there's this energy audit. And what I encourage people to do is to sort of pull back and say, what gives you energy, right? Like what really gives you energy? What are the things that like you see on your calendar and you're pumped? that fill you up, right? Like, what are those things? And so so we can do one. You want to do it right now? Yeah, let's let's make it real. Let's keep it okay. real because she says she's in this place. <laughs> so what are the things that give you energy?
0: The podcast. I love the conversations I get to have on the podcast. Obviously, everything leading up to it and after it is exhausting, but the actual act of filming it and having to engage in these conversations is fun. I enjoy... Helping people and specifically when I hear from people that I've helped them or inspired them, is that a good list to start Give with? Give me a
1: couple more. So think about it in this sense, potentially think about it mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, what gives you energy? So mentally might be the interviews, right? They, mm-hmm. they chant, you know, they make you kind of think a little bit, right? What else?
0: I have nothing that physically challenges me right now. I'm not being, I'm okay with working out, but I'm not great.
1: That's okay. Okay. So physically, there's nothing physical that gives you energy right now, but is there something in theory, right? Like, do you like to go to yoga? You just don't have time. Do you like to take a walk? You just don't have time.
0: I've gotten into reformer Pilates recently and then I have, yeah, it's very good. It's expensive. So it drives me nuts every time I (laughs) I buy it. That's about it for physical.
1: Okay. And man, what about emotional? What gives you emotional energy?
0: I don't know. I'm really bad at this exercise. Okay, what?
1: no, you're doing great. What about relationally? Who gives you energy relationally? My husband. Okay, he gives you energy. How does he give you energy relationally?
0: I don't know, but we were apart for the last three weeks. And when we were apart, the most I could sleep in a night was five hours. And suddenly when we're back together, I can sleep eight hours. So there must be something he's giving me emotionally.
1: (laughs) Okay, so those are some of the things that give you energy. So question, what drains your energy? Like what are the drainers? And you can think about it again, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, but just just fly. What what drains or what do you see on your calendar? And you're like,
0: shoot me right now, honestly, filming TikToks.
1: Okay, filming TikToks. Okay, got it. And how many of those do you try to do a day?
0: Ideally, I'm supposed to do three a week, but I love the idea generation. I love the feedback that I get from the audience when they say, oh, this video has helped me. But the actual process of going in front of the camera and talking to myself, I'm pretty drained with.
1: Okay. What else drains your energy?
0: Some team management. I have a lot of people on my team and it's a lot of times trying to coordinate what everyone is doing and being the boss is a bit draining.
1: Does anybody drain your energy relationally?
0: No, that I've been pretty good with. I've had a few people come on the podcast and teach me that you have to do an audit of your friends Yeah. and cut out the friends that are draining you. So I've been very good about that.
1: Okay, good, good. So, and then there's this whole neutral component. Like what are the things that are energy neutral, right? Which are, you know, going to the grocery store for people, right? Clean out your inbox on email, whatever it might be. So what are a couple of neutrals for you that are just kind of, they're there. They don't get you going. They don't drain you. They're just there.
0: Email inbox, I feel like is draining because people always want stuff from me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about neutrals? What are the things that are just kind of like, they don't drain you, but they don't get you going. Brushing your teeth. Sure. <laughs> right. Stuff like that. That's I've what never, I
0: feel like if I've never had to think about it like this, it's very difficult to think. Yeah, it is. Think.
1: It's different. So here's the deal. So we'll fast forward this. So basically what I would sort of offer for you to consider is to, to take your calendar, identify the things that give you energy, go insert those in your calendar, really protect those things that give you energy. And I would argue that there's also things to consider like micro breaks, something physical that you really enjoy, I think is incredibly important. You know, meditating, journaling for mental clarity can be pretty powerful. Making sure your husband isn't gone for three weeks so you get your rest, right? Physically, we need sleep. You know, people always run around and think it's so great. I didn't sleep. I don't need sleep. We need sleep. So I would challenge you to consider both the things that you shared, but also, you know, there's a lot of data around the power of micro breaks. We, we live in a world now where people, you know, they go from one thing to the next, boom, boom, one Zoom call and the next Zoom call. It's driving me crazy right now because after COVID, so during COVID, everything was video. That was just kind of this new default. And now it's stayed that way. And it's like, what happened to just calling, right? Like, Because it takes more physical and mental energy to be on a Zoom call than just to make a phone call. So I think what we wanna be really intentional about is identifying those things, mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, that give you energy, and then inserting those into your calendar. And then recognizing things that you could, you know, start to be more intentional about, like micro breaks, sleep, hydration, food, all those things that are important for our physical energy, right? Physical energy isn't just our working out. It's also what we consume and things. And then I think it's important to say, what are those drainers? Like the TikToks. Is there a way to do that in such a way that maybe it's you identify one time in the week or the day and you just knock them all out? you hand them to your team, you queue them all up and you just departmentalize it for 30 minutes and you get it over with. So it's not hanging over you like, man, I got to do those TikToks. I'm going to do them tomorrow. I'm just going to do the TikToks tomorrow. I'm going to do them later or whatever. You know, because I think what we want to do with drainers is we want to be as efficient as we can with them. If we can delegate them, we can. You can't delegate that. But, you know, the things that are draining us, the th- if we can delegate them, if we can minimize them, if we can shorten them, if we can bookend them or departmentalize, you know, And we want to do them, you know, like maybe after an interview that gives you energy, cue up your TikToks. You're already, you know, feeling good at that moment, right? Knock those three TikToks out right away. Just because you're inspired, you're you're energized. So we want to do things that maybe are potential drainers after maybe we've got something that gives us energy. So at the highest level, the book really helps people get clear on what gives them energy, what drains their energy, the neutrals, purpose, all those things. But then taking and going out into your calendar for 30 days, at least, and protecting the things that give your energy, minimizing and removing the things that drain your energy, being as efficient as you can or delegating the neutrals or turning neutrals into energizers, you know, you can do. And, And that's what I learned from the athletes that I worked with, right? Was they don't operate off of their calendars. They operate off of the things and the moments in their weeks or their days where they have to show up with the kind of energy they need to perform really well. So an NFL player is going to make sure that they protect their energy for Sunday, right? A golfer is going to make sure they protect their energy so they can tee it up on a Thursday for a golf tournament and show up. They're going to do that with their whole schedule. And I think business people react to things, react to meeting requests, react to you know, coffees and lunches that maybe don't move the needle. And then they don't have the energy for the four o'clock, huge pitch, conversation, podcast, interview, whatever it is that they really need their energy for. Cause it's really the sort of the thing that A gives them energy. And it's also the thing that really matters. So that's what I learned from my athletes that I think is so transferable to the business world is for us as business people to look at our schedule with more intentionality around our energy. So I think if we can be intentional about our schedules relative to energy, we can show up better for the things that matter. And that's a big deal. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: New year, new me. Have you heard people saying that a ton recently? Or maybe you've said it? January 1st rolls around and suddenly we're obsessed with changing ourselves, deciding on strict resolutions that we think are good for us, but actually most of the time move us further from who we'd like to be. This year, I'm all about new year, same me. What am I already doing right that benefits me? I'm going to do more of that, things that make me feel good. I encourage you to join me. And if you need extra support to get started, then BetterHelp is there for you. Therapy can help identify your strengths and leverage them to make lasting changes rather than extremes. BetterHelp is designed around you. It's online and flexible so it can help meet your needs. You just answer a short questionnaire and they'll match you with a licensed therapist for online sessions. You can even swap therapists for no additional charge. I've been using BetterHelp for a while now and have actually switched therapists four times to find the perfect therapist for me. Give it a try and celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash ETM today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ETM. I'll put the link in the show notes. My business recently had a growth spurt, which was great, but finding people with the right mix of skills and experience was tough. That's why I love Indeed, which I've personally used for hiring. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. They are your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busywork. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. But Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/erica. Just go to Indeed.com slash Erica right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Erica. Erica is always with a K. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'll put the link in the show notes. And now back to the episode. What about if someone looks at their schedule and they say, okay, well, my boss is draining me. That's 9 to 9 p.m. And then I get home and my kids are draining me. What do you say when they say that there is no flexibility and they can't remove the things that drain them?
1: Yeah, and there's people that say that. And I would push them and say, well, we probably have maybe an opportunity to be more intentional about what we can control. And there's so much in the world we can't control, but there's a lot we can. And I believe our energy, our mindset, our attitude, boundaries, relationships that are draining, I think there's a lot more often if we really have the courage to dig in that we can control. And so what does that mean? If we have a boss that's draining us constantly, that's not respecting maybe a calendar block, that's intentionally throwing a 5.30 Friday afternoon meeting on our schedule just to be a prick, potentially, you know, I think it's important to maybe have a difficult conversation to maybe evaluate, is this the person that I want to actually work for and with? Is all of this worth it? Does he or she deserve the ability to control my energy this much? What's at risk to say no? You know, what's at risk to change? I always ask people, what's at risk to change? And what's at risk if you don't? And you know, and that and that was—I I, mean—I found myself kind of in that moment with my mom saying, "Look, here's what's at risk if you don't change. You're the only one who can be their mother. You're the only one that can be Fred's wife. So, what's at risk if you don't change, and what's at risk if you do? And I think those are good questions to ask ourselves. And yes, it might mean we have to have some tough conversations, and yes, it mean we might have to create stronger boundaries. But to me, it allows us to protect our most precious resource, which is our energy. And when we do that, I found, and I don't get it right all the time, trust me, but I found that I can show up as a better mom, wife, boss, leader. When I don't take care of myself, which happens, I'm shorter with people. I'm more transactional. I'm not as emotionally connected to my husband. I'm not making the time to talk to my parents and my brothers and my kids who are the people in my life matter most. And so I think one of the things that I also think is important is you've got to have people in your life who have no agenda. You know, you, you have people in your life who have an agenda. You're a big deal. They want shit from you. And so at some level, I think you've got to say, okay, who around me has, wants nothing for me but to be the best version of myself? That, that also have the courage to tell you when you're jammed up, when you're getting it right, when you're not, you know? And I, and I think we need those people because what happens is the more success we have in life, and I saw this a lot with my athletes and coaches, the more people around you that are totally up all the time and that are telling you all these things. And I think you've got to have people that are like, that'll call your bluff, that'll kind of help spot the blind spots in you a little bit because otherwise you get, you get filled up maybe with things and you start running and, and it's really not maybe what you actually really want. You're just so darn busy. You react and go because, you know, maybe you're pleasing people. Maybe you think they, they know, maybe, maybe you're so busy that it's just easier to say, yes, I'll figure all this out later. You know, all those, all those kinds of things I think are important to consider.
0: You said earlier something that really resonated with me that you didn't know how to even relax. Yeah. How did you figure out how to relax? <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you have trouble relaxing?
0: I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I think you need to create space in your calendar to allow you to have the space to relax, the space to pause, the space to just stop for a minute, to think. So it starts, I think, with creating enough space that you can relax. And then also knowing what makes you relax. Like for me, I try to get a massage every other week. You know, I do saunas, I do cold plunges. I make sure that I don't go more than one day without working out. For me, that really helps give me energy. It helps me actually relax, throw on some great music and shut everything out and just work out. I love. So I think all those things ladder up to creating this flexibility in the space to relax.
0: So I've had a lot of guests on the podcast who tell me this thing of, we need to find balance. We need to relax. We need to take it easy. But sometimes I wonder, because Ariana Huffington gave me the same advice, if these people would have made it this far, if they had relaxed during their careers? Like, do you honestly think that if you would have relaxed during your career, you would have made it as far as a sports agent?
1: Yeah, it's an awesome question. And so here's the thing, and this is why, you know, the, the dictionary's definition of drive is the pursuit of achieving something. My definition of drive is dynamic drive, meaning it's this joyful pursuit of better. It's, it's a pursuit of and a desire to get better. So if we shift the lens slightly to this desire to get better every day, to this pursuit of better versus achievement per se, a single moment, I think that you can still and will still achieve a ton, but you have a clear lens for what you're really chasing. And you have a model that's sustainable that doesn't have an end cap on it, right? So to me, the Kobe's, the LeBron's, they have a pursuit of better every day. Would they be as successful as they had had they not had the drive and what I call dynamic drive? They wouldn't have stayed at the level that they're at for so long, right? They would have gotten there and then it would have ended because, Their their lens is one thing. I'm going to be number one in the world. I'm going to do this deal. I'm going to sign this contract. I'm going to get this fancy car. I'm going to do X. I'm going to sell my company for Y. But if, if we're pursuing better, it's a little bit of a different lens. The other thing about dynamic drive is because you're chasing something that you have a clear view of, you love the grind. You love the heart, the sweat, the hard work, the effort that goes into getting to where you're going. You love it. And to me, that level of alignment helps offset the burnout because it isn't about balance. Balance, it's a facade that I think the world has been told. So you have to pull back and say, it's about alignment. It's about knowing what you're really chasing. It's about knowing what matters most to you. And and having that lens allows you to get up at 5.30 and leave the office and know that it'll be there tomorrow. You know what I mean? Because I've gotten clear that I'm going to show up at my kids' sporting events or at their piano recital, or I'm going to be on time to pick them up from school, or I'm going to be that face that they see when they get off the bus. I want to be that person. And so, if you're clear on that, it allows you to level set in tough moments. You know, there was plenty of days when I'd be at the top of my driveway and I'd be on the phone with an athlete that's complaining about something, right? Something when, I'm, when I sort of want to say, dude, are you kidding me? You make 10 million bucks a year watching a baseball game and you're, grind, you're grinding me. Like, and so, but then I would take a minute I'd hang up the phone and I'm just kind of drained, kind of exhausted, had a long day. Walking in, my nanny would be there. You know, I'm getting texts. You're going to be here for dinner. We're sitting down at 5.30. Everything's on the table. Everything's hot. The girls are waiting for you. And I'm trying to hang up with this grinding client. Lots of people are in these circumstances. And I remember, I, you know, I'd hang up the phone. I'd take a couple deep breaths. I'd remember the lens which is to show up as the best version of myself, to inspire, to connect, to lead. And I would just make that shift before I'd walk in the door. And I'd try to park all that so that I could lock in on my girls. And to me, what's important about that, particularly for women is, you know, I think sometimes if we're showing up at home as a working woman or a man, and there's more stay-at-home dads in the world than the world admits, because men don't run around and go, I'm a stay-at-home dad. They don't tell people. I always am so fascinated when I do keynotes or different events and, and they're like, oh no, I stay at home. My wife's a badass. She's an MD, she's this. Or, but I don't think the analytics and the data is presenting itself that way. But you know, I would show up at home and, and, and try to lock in it. And, and to me, I'm grateful because I think my girls see someone now as they're getting older and starting to figure out what they wanna do in their own lives. And I think they know that they, that they wanna work and they wanna contribute you know, for however long and doing what is totally up to them. But I wanted to make sure that they saw someone who loved their work and that brought home a version of herself that made them better young girls and young women. And that was supportive of my husband, that that they saw a true partnership where, you know, Eve Rotsky, Fair Play, love her stuff. And, you know, all time is created equal. So that was always important to me. And, you know, I remember my mom had breast cancer a couple of years ago and I was on the phone with my business coach right when my mom was pulling into the driveway and, and she's doing great, by the way, now with regards to that and it's awesome. But I remember she was pulling into the driveway and I said, coach, I got, I got a hop because my mom's pulling in. I haven't seen her since she's told me about this, this diagnosis. And, and he said, go, go, go. He said, but remember your girls are watching how you handle this. And it was such a cool kind of comment because it was true. You know, they're watching, our kids are watching so much of how we show up. And so that was always a lens that I wanted them to see the way I showed up in a way that inspired them to be a better version of themselves too.
0: How do you find, I know that you're traveling all the time for keynotes and you're working and you have the three kids. How do you find yourself being present in everything that you do when you have so many conflicting obligations.
1: Well, I I will say too, like, I I don't nail it every time. Right. (laughs) But you know, a, a fun story about this, that, that I think probably your listeners would connect with is so my husband and I, so we have our first daughter and she's like five months old and I'm coming home from the office. I was an agent at the time and I'm coming home from the office and I'm like, I think I might be pregnant. But like she's five months old, right? So Erica, I'm like, there's no way because, I mean, it, I mean, it's, that's not happening a lot <laughs> after you have, you know what I mean, a baby. So I thought, what the heck? So I jump into a CVS, grab a pregnancy test, get home, take it, and I'm it's positive. And I literally remember going, well, that shit's got to be wrong, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and certainly a miracle and a gift and all that. But I mean, I have a five month old. So I literally get back in my car, go back to CVS, buy like. 15 more pregnancy tests. I mean, I legit basically cleared the shelf. I literally think there was no other, any left. So I get home, I take them all, all of them, and they're all positive. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable, right? Like I have a five-month-old, 300 athletes, coaches, agents. This is insane. And so my doctor's really cool. She just delivered our first sort of a friend, and I called her on her cell phone. And, I, and it was like, you know, six something. And I said, listen, you're not going to believe this. I said, but I think I might be pregnant. And she's she starts laughing. I mean, Erica, she legit starts laughing because she was like, there's no way, Molly. Like, I just delivered Emma. And uh, she goes, well, look, let me look here tomorrow. And she starts looking at her schedule. And she goes, just come in here at lunch. I don't have anything. I'll shove you in the middle of that day and into tomorrow and let's see what's going on. So I go to the office that morning. I meet my husband at the doctor's office, take a test, I'm pregnant. I go back into the little room where you lay down and, and she puts the sonogram on my stomach and, and uh, she, um, all of a sudden, after like a minute or two, she's like, oh my gosh, Molly. And I look over at the monitor and she's like, you're 12 and a half weeks pregnant. And so there's like a chair in the corner for the dudes, by the way, right? And so, or your partner or whatever it is. And so my husband is sitting there and and we're kind of like, whoa, I mean, you know what I mean? We have five month old, I'm 12 and a half week, weeks pregnant. I mean, this is so then after like two minutes, she goes, oh my gosh, Molly, you're hold on. She throws a line on the screen and puts another baby on the screen. She was your 12 and a half weeks pregnant with twins. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. Like, I mean, certainly a miracle and a gift. And I know there's women out there that have had trouble getting pregnant. And for that, I'm I, you know, I, my heart goes out. And, and, but it was also a moment where I thought, oh my gosh, like I'm grateful. And this is a miracle and a blessing, but like, wow. Right. And so then I looked down at my watch and I went, oh man, it's 1215. I've got a 1230 lunch with Doc Rivers. Doc's the head coach of the Celtics. He's in town playing the Atlanta Hawks. I, so I look at my doctor and my husband. And I'm like, guys, I got to hop. I got to, I get to this meeting. So I'm like walking down the hallway. I call my mom on the way to that appointment with Doc. I'm like, mom, Check this out. She's like, What's up? I'm like, I'm pregnant. And she was like, She goes nuts. I mean, she's like, You got to be kidding me. What are you doing? And I'm like, I know, Mom, but listen, you know, and I, and really, I was calling my mom to let her know she's about to move to Atlanta, right? Like, because I needed some help. (laughs) And then after she calms down a little bit, I'm like, But Mom, just, you know, it's twins. And she just like goes full crazy. I mean, she's like, You got it. What, Molly? Like, this is unbelievable. I go, But I got to go. So I hang up and I'm walking into the lobby. So here's to your question. So I'm walking into the lobby to meet Doc. He had 45 minutes. And I remember walking in thinking, I, I, do I tell him? Like, Doc's cool, right? Like, do you tell But you tell somebody you're having three kids in 12 and a half months, it might jam a meeting up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I remember just thinking, I got to park this. Like, I got it. This is incredible. It's great. It's all that. But I, I got to lock in on Doc. He had a lot going on. I've got to park this and be present for him. And it was a moment truly where being present for him couldn't have been harder. I mean, it couldn't have been harder. I mean, I was navigating and imagining everything relative to how I was going to be able to navigate three young kids and my career, which I was super passionate about. And, you know, Nick Saban, the head coach at Alabama says to his players and lots of coaches say this, be where your feet are. And it was kind of a moment when I went, I got to be where my feet are. I got to be present. And, 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 you know, I think I think we talked about this, but it was about controlling the controllables too. You know, there's there's so much in the world we can't control, but there's so much we can. And I had to control the controllables. And I share that only because we live in a world where being present is so hard. It's so hard. I mean, everybody has so much stuff coming at them, personally, professionally, you know, all of it. And it's draining people, and we know it from the data, mental illness, and it's, it's all burnout, the number of women hitting eject from the workforce because of, you know, from COVID and just this juggling act. And, and, you know, it's hard to be present now, but what I would say is it matters so much. And the people that we work with can tell when we're present, right? The people we go home to can tell. When we're on at dinner with our husband or our partner or our spouse, they can tell, you know? And I, and I think the big one is our kids can tell when we're home with them or not. Our family, they can tell. And so, it, and it's harder than ever today, but it takes kind of, I think it's a little bit about discipline and intentionality. I think it's, it's pausing and saying, I'm going to lock in right now. I'm going to lock in right now. I'm going to control what I can control. I'm going to be where my feet are and... I'm going to be present for this human being, this moment, be it personally or professionally, so that I can connect. And I think we live in a world where what we all want truly is connection, human connection, real connection. That's why we value transparency and authenticity, because we want people to be who they are authentically, show up, be present. And and it's hard, but it's possible. And it takes a little bit of discipline.
0: And I think for me too, I get this feedback sometimes from my husband that I'm not very present. But for work, I'm so present. So it's it's about not deprioritizing the people who are closest to you. Hundred percent. Because sometimes we show up and we're present for the business relationships. percent. But we're not there for the personal at home relationships, right?
1: Absolutely. And I mean that that and that breaks my heart because you know what happens inevitably is you wake up in the morning, and hopefully you've taken care of yourself, you've slept well. And so now you've got this full cup of energy. And then the way the world is structured in our lives, now it's, it's varied a little bit, but you go all day long generally and you give a lot of energy away all day to the people that you work with and for. And then you come home at six. And what I have found in the world is most people don't walk into their house or out of their office and go, somebody give me a big tall glass of water and a spinach salad, right? Right. You walk out and go, where's the vodka tonic? (laughs) Where's the glass of wine? Or whatever it is that we might say. And so we have to be intentional about taking care of ourselves. And we have to make sure that we don't give away all of our energy all day. And part of that is this energy clock stuff. It's looking at our calendars through the lens of energy so that that we check ourselves and say, okay, I don't want to walk in the door with an empty cup by the way, for the people who matter most in my life, who are really there for me the most. I don't want to walk in with nothing left in the tank for them. And, and the thing is, they're the ones that take it, right? Like they, they're they not potentially going anywhere anytime soon. So they just take it. They take it. But sometimes they get to a point where they don't anymore. And so I would just encourage people, check yourself throughout the day, right? Be intentional and, and make sure that, that you've got a enough left for you and for the people that you love and that matter the most when you get home.
0: That was so powerful about how we are all using up our energy for our nine to fives. And then by the time we get home for the people that really are closest to us, a lot of us don't have that full tank of energy. I feel like that personally was an unlock for me and I'm sure. Yeah. I'm going to implement that. What are three things that you want people to implement as a relates to their energy and keeping their energy cup full.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say one, I did a full webinar for, it's free. And the webinar walks people through the audit, and which is a really powerful way to go even deeper than we did and really help people do it themselves. So number one, I would say do that so that you can get really clear on what's giving you energy, what's draining you and your neutrals. and, And it helps with unlocking purpose, deepest values, all that. That'd be number one. Number two would be take action on it, right? Like go out into your calendar after you watch the webinar and do the audit and say, how am I going to be intentional about looking at my schedule through the lens of energy? How am I going to be intentional about making sure I've got the energizers in my day, that I'm minimizing or removing the drainers, the neutrals, and the webinar walks people through all of that. So I would say that. And then, you know, the last one, and Erica, we haven't even talked about this yet but I tell this story and I told it today in a keynote and people laugh, but is who are the people in your life that like you see their name on your phone and they're calling you and you see it and you're like, oh shit, like you got what, right? Like you see their name and you just want to hit decline and go away, (laughs) delete, throw your phone in a lake, right? Who are those people? And do they deserve your energy? Do they deserve your energy or do they not? And again, that audit and that webinar helps people get really clear on how to create some boundaries around that as well. So that's really important. Um, So I would say those three things are probably a heck of a start.
0: I love that. And we'll put the link to the webinar in the show notes. So we have a closing tradition. The podcast is called Erica Taught Me, but really today is all about Molly Taught Me. So what do you want people to walk away saying, Molly taught me this?
1: That the pursuit of better every day is the new definition of drive the pursuit of better every day is is dynamic drive it's a desire and pursuit of unlocking the best version of yourself day after day after day it's an endless journey of a pursuit of better and a pursuit of joy of fulfillment of connection of curiosity of resilience of there's seven keys that, that I believe are integral to that. But I, I would want people to remember that it's not about achievement. It's about the drive and desire to get better every day.
0: Thank you so much.
1: You bet. It was Yay! fun. I loved it.
0: <laughs> if you've enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to leave a review. It really helps support what we're doing. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you next Tuesday on a brand new episode of Erica Taught Me.